This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey, this is uh, Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. Uh, welcome to the show, another, another episode. Uh, tonight's uh, show is, for me, a fun one because it um, is going to give you a perspective on yourself your life and your birth chart that you don't often uh, get when looking at astrology. And this is something that I've kind of made up, <laughs> uh, and it's it's called the vacuum effect. So the title of the show is Astrology's Vacuum Effect, but essentially, astrology as a language of energy, a, le- a symbolic language of life. In fact, it's not an astrology's vacuum effect. It's like the energetic being or consciousness vacuum effect. And I'll explain in detail and run through some different examples about different placements and how to work with planets. But the, the basic idea is that if you don't intentionally actively use an energy in your chart and therefore your person in your life, then it will happen in ways you don't choose. <laughs> so if you don't do it, it's still vibrating in your field. But it creates a vacuum. Stuff rushes toward you and fills in that void. Of course, nature abhors a vacuum. So anyway, so I'm going to get into that after a couple of announcements. The first announcement is that uh, the last – more or less – it didn't happen that way this month. But the, the last Wednesday of uh, every month is going to be the winner – a reading, an honor reading for the winner of the monthly contest – so a free reading with me. So write me, Tom, at tdjacobs.com with the subject line TSJ Monthly Drawing or something similar. Just realize that if it is not obviously about the show or the monthly drawing, I may not, you know, it may not make it through the uh, my brain's junk filter because just, you know, just how much junk mail comes in. So just make sure that it is obvious that you are actually emailing me for a purpose. And uh, yeah, and I'll pick a winner every month around the, the middle of the month, and then you'll be on toward the end of the month. Now, if you're hearing this later, uh, you know, you're not hearing this live, you're not hearing the show live, meaning you may live in a part of a world or have a, a work or a human, otherwise human schedule that prevents you from uh, listening live and therefore being on the show live, we can do a pre-record. Just just let me know if you are selected as a winner. So if you are somewhere else on the globe, but don't enter, you think you shouldn't enter because you can't do the call live, that's fine. If you can do Skype or a conference call, then we can we can make that happen. So anyway, write me at tom at tdjacobs.com with the subject line TSJ monthly drawing or monthly drawing. And so last week uh, you heard Heather. Last month you heard Anna. And um, each of them asked me a couple of questions, and we got really in depth. And it's really fun for me. What, what, you know, doing lectures on the show all the time is kind of uh, boring. And if I give the number out, you don't call because you want to hear me lecture. I don't want to lecture, so I'm mixing it up with these readings. Also, in the works uh, coming up, I have an interview 
sometime in the next few weeks with my friend and colleague Marina Orms from astrologyheals.com. Her new book, Cycles of Healing, um, she, she honored me by asking me to write the foreword for it, and it's out as of about two or three weeks ago. So I interviewed her when I caught up with her in Southern California recently, and uh, that's to be edited and uh, the date's going to be picked uh, soon. But anyway, you're going to hear an interview about that. And uh, and also, coincidentally, at uh, Steve Forrest's apprenticeship program, uh, where I caught up with her in Alpine, California, there was a door prize thing um, at the group uh, dinner toward the end of the conference. And we were we were given the opportunity to put into a hat a donation of a service or a product or something. And, and a bunch of people did it. And I put in a, a crystal and, and a lady with a transiting Pluto on her natal Capricorn sun in the sixth house uh, took an onyx home with her. <laughs> so she kind of walked into Pluto land uh, in the form of my, my backpack and picking a crystal. Um, somebody else got a soul's journey soundbite that I sent off today. Um, and then I also put in a reading on the show and Marina happened to pick that. So you're going to hear Marina several times in the next couple of months. One, about her book, Cycles of Healing, and then another one, uh, which we haven't done yet, which will be a, a reading for her. So I really want to expose you to how I do this work and inspire you to call me for a reading so you can see how this actually happens, how the thought process works, and how deep the readings can go. Because this isn't just stuff to learn. This isn't, oh, let me memorize 10 things about Mars and, and 10 about Jupiter. Or let me make sure I can, on the spot, delineate, you know, Mars in the first, Jupiter in the eighth, you know, Saturn in the second. It's not about memorization. It's about that up to a point, and then it's about the person. If you're studying your chart, it's about you. If you're studying the charts of others, it's about the other person and how you may be able to be of help to them by interpreting the energies as depicted by the arrangement of symbols in the charts. So more readings on the show. Is the uh, is the new phase? We're in a Mercury retrograde now, of course, and uh, things should feel ripe to rethink. Meaning, a lot of things that you've done don't work anymore, and something might be stale. When the sun goes from Taurus into Gemini, anyway, even if Mercury were not retrograding in Gemini, as as both are happening now, even if it's just you know, a new influence of Gemini. That's about realizing that something is stale. You may feel stuck or in a rut and introducing a new pattern or doing something new. So we have both of those things happening. Mercury is retrograding in Gemini and the sun is in Gemini as well as Mars and the asteroid Eros are traveling together this month. So I explain all of this in uh, materials for my uh, monthly subscribers. You can read about that at tdjacobs.com and I just today posted a five-minute excerpt of a video from the first of the three videos that subscribers got the day before the sun went into Gemini. And it's from the video about sun time in Gemini, and I explain the process of going from Taurus into Gemini. You can go back through my YouTube channel and look at these excerpts of these videos and get a sense of uh, how I do that portion of the service and how, how in-depth I go in these videos. Um, also, Lunation MP3. So an MP3 on the full moon and the new moon is included. And this month, each is about 20 minutes. And there's almost 70 minutes of video 
covering all the different uh, happenings that are going on. So this is a pretty cool service, and you should check it out through tdjacobs.com. And go see that five-minute video on uh, – that excerpt on uh, on Sun and Sun and Gemini. Have a, have a good time doing doing those videos, especially explaining – where we've been for a month with the sun and the previous solar sign and then talking about the transition because the transition from one sign to the next is always, well, I don't know if I want to say radical or drastic. I almost Frankenstein those words. Anyway, I I made it. Okay. I I made it through my Mercury, Neptune, uh, Achilles heel with, with uh, Franken words. Um, yeah, signs that are next to each other have really different ways of doing things and really different um, motivations. And so Taurus is about sitting still and figuring out what's important and identifying what's necessary and really trimming everything else out. Gemini is about opening up to all this new info. So check that video out on YouTube and probably 50 or 60 other videos uh, on YouTube as well. I think since... I think last week I announced Mukaite charged or pro- energetically programmed Mukaite for um, working with spirit guides and dream work and flexibility. It's good for Gemini energy. Uh, that's available and also programmed Jet, which is actually petrified wood and not a stone at all. Those are both recently available and up at tdjacobs.com on the crystals area. Uh, now there are eight crystals altogether that I work with, and there's resources for, for all of them. Jet's for grieving, and you're going to say, um, oh, man, Tom has been going from, well, Tiger Iron was for grounding, and then, uh, you know, insert a few, and then Onyx was this intense Plutonian stuff, and now Jet for grieving, like, what is going on? Well, what's going on is that I have Pluto transiting my fourth house as of, I believe, maybe December, sometime in the winter. So I have to go in and look at things under the surface, and it's being reflected with some of the crystals that I'm programming. There are some fun things on the way. Mukaite's actually very fun. So is Labradorite. And uh, the Red Jasper can be very fun as well. And Shivalingam for stimulating uh, creativity and passion. So anyway, uh, all that stuff is uh, is in the works. You, you might have um, noticed a few weeks ago I was talking quite a lot about how I was going to get this lapidary slab saw to cut rough rock into slabs and then cut slabs into little pieces and then you know polish them eventually and i bought this used saw but mercury's retrograde so there's a little issue it's not quite working yet it's just one little thing and i go every every other day i go down to the garage and put on some uh, rubber gloves and get my my hands in this oily area of the machine try to figure out if i can fix it or if i have to call for service but it's retrograde mercury is machines phone calls communications so i'm taking it easy and that's the update on the saw it is in my garage, and there's a five-gallon bucket of oil, and you know the whole thing is set up. Everything's ready to go, but this little thing in there isn't isn't quite happy yet. So you stay tuned for updates on that. So doing this uh, this vacuum idea, you know, if you're a Taurus, that means your sun's in Taurus, and you'll have a certain way of doing things, a certain way of being. Um, if you get into astrology and you start studying it, and let's say you're a Taurus, you're going to realize, oh, I have a Mars sign as well. I have a Moon sign. I have a Mercury as well. So maybe my Mercury is also in Taurus. Maybe my, maybe my Venus is in Gemini. Maybe my Mars is in Gemini. So anyway, so you start to see, oh, that planet's here, this planet's here, that planet's here. You might identify 
as a Taurus. Like you might really feel that energy strongly within you. And again, in general, right? Because sun is a center of personality. We have to do our suns in order to be sane, <laughs> to be healthy and sane and basically uh, hold everything together. <laughs> if you, I always like to think of uh, your consciousness as a meeting and the person in the meeting who who is in charge of making the final decisions, that's the sun. So in a meeting situation, this you know the person running the meeting can perhaps be well served and well and serve others well by listening to many opinions. Again, Mercury, Moon, Mars, Pluto, all the other parts of you. But ultimately, the sun needs to make that decision in the end. That is intentionally using the sun, being a decision maker, and looking at all the facts and doing something that is self-expressive or that creates something or makes a mark on the world. So you're that Taurus and you're like, yeah, yeah, I have all these other planets too. Well, you might, as you continue studying astrology, realize that you don't really get Mars. Like you might realize, wait a minute, I kind of have this blind spot with Mars. If you ever find that, you know, you don't get your Saturn or you don't understand your Mars or something's in Pisces or in Cancer or square this or that, and you don't really get it, realize that that indicates to you that you may have a vacuum. That's one way of looking at it. If you're studying astrology, that you may have an energetic vacuum in place. If you can't name at least one or two proactive ways of expressing an energy in your chart, you may at times or constantly, to your own dismay, <laughs> be creating a vacuum. So every single person has every single planet in his or her birth chart. And of course, that represents the energy field, consciousness, psyche, and all the etheric bodies, like your whole energy field and consciousness. You have all of the energies in there. If you don't, and I said this at the top, but we'll just get a little more in-depth into this. If you don't use an energy actively, it will still vibrate within you and it will be used unwittingly. Like, like it will either come out as accidents or mistakes because you're not intentionally using it or other people will do it for you in ways you don't like. It's really obvious in my experience working with clients and, and being a person. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm a human. It's really obvious when it's Mars, Saturn, or Pluto, or even Sun. But Mars, Saturn, Pluto being energies that are kind of that can have more of an edge, you know, um, Pluto about power, Saturn about authority, Mars about aggression or self-assertion. It's, it's more obvious of that because if you're not doing your Saturn, you will may draw authority figures, for example, who give you guff or with whom you can't get along or who might just really um, kind of hound you. With Mars, it would be people who are assertive, maybe aggressive. If you're not being aggressive or not being assertive, you may draw others who are aggressive. And with Pluto, it's a similar kind of thing, but it's a little more intense and deep. So similar thing to, to the Mars thing. And you'll hear some people say that 
you know, they're like, they're like an octaves to each other. Like, uh, one's the higher octave or the other. Um, and I think this is how they're, they're talking about it. You know, they do co-rule a Scorpio. So there's kind of a, a vibe in there that they have in common. The other way to understand if you have a vacuum in your life is to look at patterns that are chronic that you don't like. One example is people who are assertive to the point of being aggressive. Uh, another one is, and that's Mars, right? With Saturn authority figures, people who are bossy or people who are in charge of something or who just assume that they're in charge of you. And you think, I'm just over here minding my own business, living my life, but here's this issue. So another one with Sun, for example, you might be you might find yourself around people who have big opinions, who suck up all the oxygen in the room, who aren't afraid to say what they think. That would be a sun idea. So look at that and then scan keywords of the different planets and look at yours and say, can I come up with a handful of proactive ways I could express that energy? You know, could I come up with different ways that I could use that intentionally? Because if you're, again, if you're not doing it, other people are. So look at what the other people are doing and realize that you are the common denominator. <laughs> so you can see how it's not about other people, but your brain may think it's about other people. <laughs> These people are always like this. These people are always like that. You know, um, I just think of, of examples of people I know who have, um, for example, sun square the nodes, square the nodal axis, the nodes of the moon. And when a planet's in that kind of position, the person's in a, a lifelong survey or process of figuring out the right way to do the sun. If that person is obnoxious and overbearing and takes up all the air in the room, then that's an overdoing, right? And, and that person won't notice that other people aren't like that or, or may, but it won't be the same. But if that person's kind of timid and not doing the sun adequately, that person will draw others who overdo it. So I have a strong son and uh, um, I've, I've dated people like one woman who had, had her son on conjunct her North node, another one who had her son square her nodes. And I was a solar figure to stir those people, right? So they, uh, they manifested me. They were drawn into my space because I do the sun. Each of them has this perception about other people's sons. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to put a pin in that and come back. This is Tom Jacobs on the soul's journey. Uh, this is all about creating or ending the vacuum effect and getting to your chart in a new way. Uh, stick with me. I'll be right back after the first break. getting grounded what about cleaning up and improving your relationships with your body money and others 
energy worker and channel Tom Jacobs infuses crystals with the supportive, clarifying, and empowering energies of Archangel Metatron and Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin. Charged Tiger Iron powerfully engages your first, second, and third chakras, while Charged Red Jasper activates Chakra 2. Users report improved sleep, deepened meditation, increased trust of their bodies, intuition, and spirit guides, better boundaries, and heightened confidence to follow their passions. Included with each charged piece are channeled resources and ongoing support from Tom Jacobs. Get your charged crystal at tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. And uh, welcome. Thanks for joining. Thanks for playing. Uh, this show is about uh, the vacuum effect. If you don't do a planet, it will happen around you and the energy will rush into you. So it's uh, giving you two different ways of identifying if you have a vacuum. The first one is, am I able, you know, if you are not able to uh, verbalize or articulate even envision <laughs> some proactive or positive, grounded, sane uh, expressions of certain planets in your chart. Like, oh, I just never understood that, you know, that whatever in Gemini or that thing in Cancer. You know, if you can't do that, you may be prone to that. But also if you see patterns of what other people seem to be or seem to be doing. And um, I mentioned dating people who have sun aspect to their nodes. They're learning about sun. Like the one with the sun conjunct the north node, uh, opposite the south node is what that means. South node indicates a lot of karmic conditioning and the starting place in many lives. So it means that she keeps being born into a family system where a healthy solar expression isn't, isn't available. So she actually has to learn something by moving away from her conditioning. So she has to do the sun. So, she, so it's normal for her to draw solar people to teach her how to do the sun. And then she gets to say, and this is a really important point about this, she gets to say, well, I don't really like how these five people do it, but I like how those three people do it. And that's how we learn about different expressions of energies. So she can pick and choose. So that, that's actually a really important point. If you don't do the energy and you draw people to you, you'll draw a variety of it. You'll notice much more and more often when it doesn't, when you don't like it, when it doesn't work for you. For example, Mars, and I actually, I actually have Mars square the nodes, and so this is a, a similar kind of example where I'm learning the right way to do Mars. I'm learning about it. You know, I, I say to people, I say in Soul's Journey sound bites, um, and, and in readings, the live readings with people. But let's say there are seven or eight core principles you could know about this or should learn about this to be successful with the energy. You are really good at four of them, four or five of them. So you have a blind spot. You have preferences and you have a blind spot. So you don't see that you can make new choices. So we have to stop ourselves to make new choices regarding a square to the nodal axis. With Mars, if you're not forthright, if you're not honest and direct – if you're not physical, if you don't act on desire, these are all just Mars keywords. 
if you're not if you don't allow instinct and that instinctive sense of attraction and repulsion like yes or no is how you'll hear me talk about it quite often on the show and in my work if you don't do that you'll draw mars now you'll draw assertive people whom you probably should model some behavior after and learn from but but you won't notice them as much as you draw the angry people or the or the um uh aggressive people so and in my experience I've definitely definitely had that happen and it's all but stopped as I have intentionally stepped into you know well you know given how sign an aspect of my own mars let me come up with ways of you know articulating how that could work better and so any time there's a pattern in your life, it could be anything. Like I, you know, talked about just a couple of planets. We're going to run through others um, before we before we finish tonight. But any pattern that you notice relates to an energy in your chart. And if you don't like what it is, you don't like what you're manifesting. It's not about those people. It's about what you're vibrating and are you using that energy intentionally. So actually, another example. This was on my mind. Um, I forgot to do the announcements to tell you guys to check my blog out. Because uh, I did three tongue-in-cheek open letters uh, this last week, and it was blowing off steam. I was in a cafe uh, working on a book project, and this la- this lady uh, and her I, this lady and this man sat down a few seats over from me, and I was going to put earplugs in momentarily, just coincidentally. Then they sat down. He picks up a book. She opens a newspaper, and she says, in this absolute kind of flat, nonchalant, kind of entitled way. And there was some kind of like uh, hip-hop music playing. But it was a mix, and I knew it would pass, but she didn't. She just got there. And uh, she said to the guy without looking up, was this music here the last time? It leaves much to be desired. And it was so precious. (laughs) And And so I wrote an open letter to Pluto and Leo people. And a little smart-alecky, a little blowing off steam. And then I got inspired and I did the one for Virgo. Oh, right. Pluto and Virgo people. This is what I've been meaning to tell you for a long time. So kind of like that's a little less edgy. <laughs> and then I did Pluto and Libra too. And, but I had to um, – I, I have Pluto and Libra. Uh, and the, the Pluto – I'll just tell you. The Pluto and uh, Leo dates are roughly 1937, 38 up to 57, 58. And then the Virgo dates are from 57, 58 up to like 71, 72. And then put on Libra like 72 to 84. And when I wrote the Libra one, I had to relax and get out of the way and let my smart aleck satirist write because I was trying not to uh, um, trigger my own put on Libra fears. <laughs> so anyway, go to, go to my blog and re- read those, the open letters. But the point is I want to say something about the put on Virgo thing. Um, uh, one of the things that this – Subgeneration again, nineteen, you know, about nineteen fifty-eight to nineteen seventy-one, seventy-two. That they're conditioned to do is to see what's wrong, and to see what's not perfect, and what might be changed, and how one could change it. Well, what goes with that journey is um, being critical. When we say that phrase, being critical, it, it's almost always something that you know, it's either stated or implied that we shouldn't do it. But in fact, uh, bringing a critical eye to 
you know, I, I, I kind of wish I had Pluto and Virgo when I was self-publishing the early books because, wow, they needed some editing, and I couldn't see it the way somebody with a strong Virgo energy would. Um, and and eventually my, my Virgoan girlfriend edited, I think, five of my writing projects uh, in the beginning uh, when she when she first uh, – got got on board with me but but um it was really helpful and i learned how to be a better writer but initially it wasn't there because i didn't have that virgoan approach to be really to bring a critical eye in a positive way but so this generation of people may expect others to be critical because they're carrying the energy of criticism they're not sure if they've done something wrong so they're going to draw other people to them to be critical and then they're going to say, why are these people always critical? So here, if you have Pluto and Virgo, think about this. Think about this as a strategy to end the vacuum that sucks in people into your space who are critical. Realize that they are only manifesting criticisms that you have of yourself. So if you can own honestly with some humility, which is a Pluto and Virgo kind of idea, what you've done that isn't perfect and then let yourself off the hook by allowing that you're a work in progress and there's no such thing as perfection and letting yourself be oriented toward making better choices as you go because you are learning every time you make a choice you are learning something new if you do that and you are absolutely honest about your fear of failure or self-hatred because of past mistakes if you're honest about that, that's Pluto, then you're actively like confronting the fear, then you're actively using Pluto and Virgo. Yes, I did not do that as well as I could have. Okay. And you start ending the criticism vacuum that you've created. I mean, you could do that with anything in Virgo. That's a good strategy for anything in Virgo. You know, I'm. you might not realize that you're afraid that somebody else is going to tell you you're doing it wrong. Well, you may fear you're doing it wrong, so then you'll draw them to tell you, and then you say, why are they always telling me? Well, it's about you. You're vibrating this into being. They're only helping you see it. So I mentioned some, some of those planets. I want to kind of go back to generally covering like inner planets and then moving out. I mentioned sun, having an opinion, taking up space. Um, sun is vitality. It is creativity. And it is also reason, and it's that that final, you know, the final arbiter in that meeting room, which is your psyche. So if you're not making decisions, if you're not putting yourself on equal par with others, like like you have just as much right to say yes and no, that kind of like valuing yourself. Yeah, I have the right to feel this, think this, choose something. You know, not like with a chip on your shoulder, you know, aggressive, but like, yeah, I, I have the right to have an opinion. I have the right to own what I think and feel. If you're not doing that, then you may draw other, you know, solar people. Moon, if you're, moon is about happiness, ultimately. But along the way, it's about nurturing and creating safety and security. It's about relaxing. And it's about addressing our needs, so, for example, if you were to draw a bunch of people who said to you, you know what you need to do? You need to do this to be happy. And, and it's never true. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say that 
people are always telling you over – it's not like one thing. Like everyone says, you know what? You need to uh, learn how to dive or swim. Like it's you know, not something specific. Or you need to learn how to surf. Not not that specific. But um, if they're always telling you what you need, realize that there's a moon vacuum for you. You maybe aren't identifying and then doing something about what it is that you need. Now, you know, there are a million reasons why we might not, you know, emphasize this part of ourselves, whether, whether it's moon or any other planet. There are all kinds of reasons why. Some of them are karmic, like I don't want to be that kind of person because I know for a fact that person, that kind of person is a jerk. <laughs> or, well, I'd never want to be that kind of person because those people just don't know what's going on. You know, it's kind of opinions that might be karmic in nature, these deeply entrenched opinions. It might also be when you do that part of yourself, you don't feel successful. Or it might be that you're afraid to do it. Or you might not have and, and or you may not have healthy models of how to do that. I found myself in that position. Even when I started studying astrology, immersed in it, and then starting to see clients in the beginning, I was still really unsure how to do my son. And people would meet me, you know, of course, in astrology circles, they say, what's your sign? And I say, I'm a Scorpio. And they say, no way. <laughs> and they'd say, uh, oh, I I don't see it. Or, wow, I would never have guessed that. That would be the last thing I'd guess. And and so I have a stellium in Libra and a stellium in Sagittarius. Well, when you have a stellium in Libra, sextile, a stellium in Sagittarius, people like you. <laughs> so I learned that I could be liked if I didn't tell the truth and didn't do Scorpio. So I didn't emphasize it until I realized that the meeting inside my head was not going well. <laughs> so, so anyway, there are all these different reasons why it may be that way. If, for example, another completely different kind of rationale before I go on to like Mercury, Venus and move on out. I really like interrupting myself. You probably know that if you listen to the show. Um, you may have someone in your family who does that energy really loudly. Well, yeah, that job is taken okay, I don't have to worry about it, so I'll just relax. <laughs> and uh, it was something square the nodes or something conjunct the south node, for example. Uh, that That's really common. Or something in cahoots in your chart with the moon. Uh, it could be, could or even in the fourth house, could indicate something that um, you might not be sure how to own because somebody else did it so loudly there was no room for you to do it. Um, moving on to Mercury, Mercury is communication and perception and thinking. It's about learning and curiosity, but it's also about speaking what you perceive, like learning what you want to learn, saying what you want to say, and speaking your own perceptions. Essentially, we might say in this kind of new agey you know, <laughs> phrasing, uh, own your truth or own your voice, you know, speak your truth. So you might draw talkative people. If you don't speak your truth, they might not know that you have something to say and then they keep talking and then you speak less 
and then they keep talking, they speak more, and you speak less, and a vacuum is created. So if you perceive or, or believe that your thoughts don't matter and nobody wants to hear what you have to say, that could be a sun thing, that idea of my opinion and what I have to offer, my unique contribution. But it can also be Mercury, my thoughts, my way of seeing this this uh, situation and, and how I would say that. One of the things that happens with uh, Mercury quite a lot when there's a vacuum is somebody who loves you very much, whether it's a parent or even a spouse or a friend, will put words in your mouth. You'll be sitting there with a third party or with many people. And the person will say, you know, uh, Sally always says this and she thinks this. And, and you're like sitting there and it's like your job is to say, well, actually, that's not what I think. You know, it's you, you think of you know, teenagers and young adults with their parents and that might be kind of an image that comes up, but it can happen with friends. It can happen with spouses given you know, long enough durations of the person not speaking. The vacuum gets created. Um, this is what you think. Um, actually, that's not what I think. But do you say it? Do you tell that person? I actually have a friend with Mercury actually square the nodes as it happens from the fourth house. And uh, this happened to her quite a lot. And uh, she's from a conservative, religious, um, ethnic family. Her parents emigrated from a different part of the world. Uh, and so there's a traditional culture they brought with them to the U.S. And so she was kind of expected to be brought up as they were brought up in this other country. And in her maybe late 20s, she just started telling them who she is. <laughs> and at first they, they lost it and they freaked out and they didn't know – Essentially, they were so challenged, they didn't know how to keep loving her, but they did, but it was really hard. So anyway, they've worked it out, but it was like a really rocky thing because she finally owned her voice and she wasn't being told any longer who she was. So it's a Mercury kind of idea. It kind of actually bleeds into Venus a little bit too because Venus is give and take. Venus is what's fair. Uh, Venus has to do well as far as the the relating side of Venus. Venus does also has to do with resources, skills, self esteem, and money. So, but one of the big things that happens with a person's self esteem that's a Taurus side of Venus. We need to develop that. But sometimes, with the Libran side of it, we let other people reflect to us who we are. And then we do or don't like ourselves based on the reflection. So if you have a bunch of people who like you, but you don't like yourself, there's a vacuum. You might even say, why does, this, why does my friend even hang out with me? Why, does, why do they even like me? <laughs> and um, you, you know, if you have ever been in the position where you know, somebody you're beginning to date – looks at you under the moonlight in, in, the, in the deeply in the eyes and there's a sweetness and says, I, I, I think I love you. And you say, why would you love me? Then there's a Venus vacuum. <laughs> so, so anyway, when other people like you and, and you don't like yourself, there's a Venus vacuum. <laughs> Same thing when other people don't like you, but you like yourself, there is a Venus thing happening too. So that can actually symbolize that you may not be open to receiving kindness or generosity or love, kind of Venusian things, 
Um, but you may like yourself, but not be open to others, and so that that can create a vacuum as well, where you can you can draw to you people who just don't like you because you're not open to being liked. So that's kind of a little thing to sort out there with Venus. Um, this is also about value system and what matters to you most would be another way of talking about value system. I I, I always use that phrase value system, and then I realize wait. Do we even use that phrase anymore? It's 2015. Is that does that make sense to people? So I then I almost always repeat what matters most to you. Anyway, so we're gonna uh, come up uh, to the second break right now. This is Tom Jacobs. This is a soul's journey. Stick with me. I'll be right back talking about ending vacuums in your chart and life. Tom Jacobs, the host of CTR's The Soul's Journey, share insightful perspectives on astrology and spirituality, providing useful tools to help you make life better. Each month, Tom saves his most in-depth analyses for subscribers to his monthly service. Subscribers to tdjacobs.com receive a user's manual for each month when the sun changes sign. The sun's time in that sign, ingresses retrogrades, major aspect patterns, and new and full moons are covered in depth and help you make the most of the present moment. A channeled meditation and a monthly call to pick Tom's brain are included, as are a number of perks, exclusive materials, and savings on his classes and products. Read more and sign up monthly or yearly at tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is uh, Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. And uh, talking about the vacuum effect, if you don't do a point it intentionally, you'll draw it to you in ways you don't like. Um, the, the value system idea of Venus, what matters to you most, and if you don't um, live according to your value system, you will draw other people to you who expect you to live according to theirs. It's the same thing with Mars and assertiveness versus aggression. If you're not assertive, you'll draw aggression. It's the same exact thing, but the energy is different. I mean, the uh, quality of the energy, the frequency is different, Venus versus Mars. Not that Venus is always pleasant and Mars is always unpleasant, but there's a, you know, f a difference between uh, relational versus fiery and assertive. Um, yeah, so do you live according to your own value system? You know, do you have a planet in the second house? Do you have a planet in Taurus? Do you have something talking to Venus in your chart that you're not quite sure how you would work with intentionally? That's what this is about. And then the Mars thing, I mentioned at the top, it's easy to see that because it comes out as accidents uh, and arguments and fights and abuse. When you don't own your Mars to say yes to what you love and like and really, really want, 
and no to what you don't want and don't like, when you that, that function in your consciousness is not working, you're going to draw unconscious Mars to you. And as I mentioned, I have Mars square the nodes, and this was a situation in my life for decades till I got it. And then I was able to say, aha. You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean there hasn't been any conflict or Mars stuff since then, but I can see it. If somebody's being aggressive, I can say, right, I'm creating this vacuum again. I didn't realize it. So I, I went over that earlier, the idea of like saying yes and no and, um, and uh, instinctive body response, attraction, repulsion, and, and just listening to the body is a really important thing with Mars. Moving on to Jupiter, Jupiter is about self-confidence. It's about faith and belief. It's about taking risks. And it's about the big picture. So philosophy, religion, big ideas, that kind of thing. And if you don't own what you believe, other people will tell you what you believe. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, people will, um, will uh, be happy to drag you down their garden path of, I thought I would find out if this belief is true. But I actually think of a friend of mine who um, Pluto in her ninth house, actually Southland and Sagittarius as well. Um, and so she's, you know, got a lifetime of learning some Jupiter stuff for her, for herself. Oh, actually, Jupiter is uh, natally on her descendant. So um, it might seem like other people get to do it because planets in the seventh house, we might not know how to own right away. So uh, she she told me a story years ago about a boyfriend she had who um, somehow – I mean it didn't sound like it was a lot of crazy effort on his part. But somehow she found herself going to some kind of evangelical church with him. And, she, and eventually she was like, wait a minute. What am I doing? But kind of like if you don't own your Jupiter, somebody else's Jupiter can kind of – you know, bring you into its gravitational field, and then you're like, oh, I'm at Bible study. What? Like, how did that happen? Like, wh what am I doing? Uh, so, so, but it's also um, the willingness to take risks and believe in the self. That's what Jupiter is. So, um, I'm going to go do this thing because tomorrow's a better day, and I can, you know, that kind of Jupiter energy. If you don't do it, um, you know, other people will rush in and Jupiter energy will rush in, telling you what you should believe, telling you what you, what you, would, what you should think. Uh, moving out, out to Saturn, it's the authority function that I talked about earlier. Responsibility, maturity, authority. There's a time in every human's life where he or she does not do Saturn, of course. We're born as helpless, clueless, squirmy, writhing, crying, pooping, vomiting infants, and then – we grow up and we kind of can walk and then we can eat and talk, right? But you know, we have to grow into Saturn over time to grow into being adults. So there's a chunk of our lives where, we're, where we are perhaps feeling on the defensive against authority figures, either compliant or defensive. I guess it depends. Um, but so that's normal for us for a certain period of our – a chunk of our lives to not know Saturn and then to eventually need to grow into it. So who's, you know, who's in charge of your life? Who is the boss of you? You know, who's your daddy? Who's your mommy? Like, you know, who's running your life? If you are an adult and past your second, your first Saturn return, so you're in, you know, it, it, in your 30s or older, then you're in this place where it's important for you to own your Saturn, to own your authority, and be your own authority figure in whatever way your chart describes house, sign, and aspect. 
Um, so if everyone's trying to tell you what to do and bossing you around and having all these judgments about how responsible you are not or how uh, morally uh, healthy you are not, morally fit you may not be, you have a Saturn thing and it's time for you to learn how to own whatever your Saturn says in your chart. Moving out to Uranus, Uranus is the planet of rebellion and individuation, but it's also the planet of sudden change. And what's normal for Uranus in a person is to make a change, and then eventually that change becomes crystallized, and then we need to make another change to shake things up. You know, by transit, or if it's involved in a, a progression, like something's progressing to Uranus, or um, or solar arc, or people as permanent transits, uh, any you know anything that activates Uranus. Um, you need to make a change, but if you don't, it will change for you. So, wow, I just got fired from this job, but you know what? The job was crummy and I never should have been there in the first place. Like at first you're going to be like, oh man, I lost my job. And then your friend's going to say, but you hated that job. And you're going to say, yeah, but I lost it. <laughs> you know? And so if you don't Uranus, you get Uranus, right? If you don't make a change, if you don't free yourself from something in which you may feel stuck, then it will free you. Life will take care of it. So there's that idea of a vacuum. You'll, and you know, Uranus transits get this – I don't know if it's a bad rap. It's certainly a, a stress-inducing rap because there, there are times of great change. If, however, you keep your eye on Uranus all the time, <laughs> and uh, you might look at your chart and say, well, my Uranus isn't prominent, but I'm saying figure it out. Come up with ways of understanding this planet because if you keep your eye on it and make minor adjustments as you go, there doesn't need to be an earthquake down the road. Now, that said, I'm actually beginning my Uranus opposition as we speak, and I'm trying on a daily basis to do the little things that are individuating and freeing to me. Uranus opposition, if you're not familiar with that, is when uh, transiting Uranus moves into an opposition with your natal Uranus. So you're halfway through the cycle. I'm 42. That makes sense with the math. It's, it's the classic or typical midlife crisis transit. You realize you're not free and you shake things up. And, um, yeah, you manifest bright red wagons for your driveway or bicycles or something. Or, or red sports cars. Sorry, I always mix those up. Um, anyway, um, so I'm, I'm trying to do it, and it actually takes quite a lot of attention. So it's easy for me to say watch your Uranus all the time. But if you can get into a Uranian groove to honor that energy as it works within you, you don't have to explode from frustration or, or being stultified or stunted later. Anyway, so that's the Uranus thing. But most transits seem to come with sudden change and or trauma. And that's kind of normal with Uranus uh, passages that we go through. But I'm saying you can, you can make sure that you're not creating a vacuum by individuating in the way your chart describes. And by identifying, nurturing, and developing your own personal genius. Because wherever Uranus is in your chart – you see farther, faster, wider than other people around you. It is where you can tap into, I call them th uh, lightning bolts 
from the gods, this insight and wisdom that comes in and you just see, oh, this direction we're taking, it's never going to work. We have to shift these five things over to the left and then in three years, this thing will mature. But nobody else in the group can see it. That's, that's your own Uranus. So with Neptune, this, this gets really um, – ne- Neptune is one of those things that people don't know how to do intentionally a lot of the time. And if you've been listening to the podcast for two and a half years, you've been hearing me do various shows on living consciously with Neptune. And uh, the, the reason is because we don't know how to do it. We're, sometimes if we're afraid of getting lost or we're not sure how to intentionally do it without um, you know, substance use or um, getting lost in something and losing control and risking addiction or checking out or sleeping too much or whatever um, – but Neptune is how we connect to capital T truth or how we identify with what is divine for us, what is meaningful for us. And um, if we don't actively choose how we express our Neptunes, if we don't understand and then express it, we may find ourselves uh, unawares as we slip into patterns that turn out to be negative. This is really, this is really important for a lot of people. Um, Neptune can be seductive because we, part of us, if we're not sure how to deal with what we're feeling or thinking, our self-judgment or stuff from the past, we might want to uh, slip into not being conscious. It's kind of inviting and seductive. And uh, it's also illusion and simultaneously truth. So sometimes we have to walk into this fog of illusion knowing there's truth on the other side and just keep going. But if we don't do that, we're going to get stuck in the fog and lost with the uh, distractions along the way. So actually uh, using uh, Neptune is really important so we don't find ourselves um, stuck in a way that doesn't work. So um, I'm confused about what I should be doing or I'm not sure – What's the best thing for me, right? That would indicate that you may not be tapped into what is true for you. You may not be in touch with what resonates as true for you. Like I, I use the example of, of studying astrology uh, for, for years and then realizing that I wanted to know more about how soul and it was visible in the, in the birth chart. So I said, are there any beings floating around out there who will help me? And this ascended master came forward. And uh, he came forward kind of uh, faintly at first as though calling out from the other room because he knew I didn't want to channel. <laughs> he knew I did not want to – I wanted to know what I wanted to know, but I didn't want to surrender my consciousness or have someone speak through me or whatever. So he kind of would call out this answer from the other room, and I would hear it, and it would stop me in my tracks. It vibrated as true. It like, it like stopped my um, brainy self – in its tracks, and I would have to incorporate this vibrational resonance. That's Neptune. It feels true. Not I would like it to feel true, but it stopped me in my tracks, and I couldn't proceed without taking that in. That's Neptune. So we find what's true for us, and some of us look to it through substances. I was actually talking to a guy um, last night uh, in a coffee shop. Uh, We are talking about um, him growing up near – 
You're actually going to hear from him because I invited him. I'm going to interview him on the show because he was interesting. Uh, you're going to hear from him. His name is Chase uh, in a few weeks. Um, maybe even next week. We'll see. We'll see what the timing's like. But but um, we're talking about using substances to alter consciousness to seek the divine. And uh, and uh, we were just talking about that. And he had this really strong Neptune, like I do. But he got it the way that I got it. And I was like, Yeah, we can be friends because because you you know we don't always need substances, but but we in our culture may think we do. And we've lived for thousands of years watching shamans take stuff and then and then get answers. So of course, in somewhere deep in our emotional bodies and our memories, is this thing about yeah, maybe that's how I'm supposed to find God. Anyway, so that's the Neptune idea. And Pluto is power. Power, and I, I think all the external manifestations of power is what we cycle through. The idea of, well, if I have this money, then I can be confident. Or if I have this, then I can be I can relax. Or I can feel good about myself if I do this or, or don't do that. Um, but when it comes down to it, um, it's about the deepest sort of truth and the deepest emotions and making peace with different motivations that parts of you have. Um, really looking at what you fear may happen to you, but also what you fear you may do. When you make peace with all of those things, then you are empowered in a Plutonian way. So any power struggles in your life, it's not just people telling you your value system or bossing you around, but like power, like domination, threats, really scary abuse stuff, you need to go in to own your Pluto and figure out what your Pluto is about. What am I afraid of? Because these people are only manifesting what my fear is. This is a huge topic. It's a huge topic. Well, thanks for playing. We're coming to the end uh, of the show. During uh, during the break, um, Cameron uh, Steele, who's producing for me tonight, was mentioning how stressful the Mercury retrograde is. He said, I have a vacuum in my life. It needs to be fixed. It's Mercury retrograde. <laughs> so, so I just want to say a note before we, before we close. Um, t- everybody take a deep breath. Realize that for the three weeks during Mercury retrograde that we are going to find out things don't work as expected. This is, this is a global thing. And, you know, I just mentioned Cameron, but like everybody, most people are having this frustration. Most people are. And it, and, uh, it's going, it's going to pass. It, it's kind of um, more so that it's in an air sign and in its own sign, and it just passed over Mars uh, the other day, and uh, it's going to – the sun is going to pass over it very soon. So just take a deep breath and relax. So this has been The Soul's Journey. Uh, check it out. Check out the archive in uh, tdjacobs.com and uh, keep up uh, with what I'm up to. Join me next week. Thanks for playing. Good night. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com. 